if I were a superintendent and all of a sudden my state scores start going down, I would come out and say, well, of course they did. We have been, we have seen the teaching to the test does nothing but glorify the test. We're going to prepare our kids for the future. If, if we're not, if we're spending less time making sure they memorize how to take the test, of course it's going to go down. So I ask you parents, I ask you people of the community, do you want great test takers so they can memorize this test and forget about it in two weeks? Or do you want future ready kids? Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast, Friday edition. This is our crucial conversations. Jamal Crook and I host this every Friday. Now, here's the thing. Uh, last week, we did episode one. We were just talking about who we are. Uh, also, we set some ground rules. We do not think that we are the only voice or the authority on these issues. But what we wanted to do is to introduce um, two educators from different backgrounds. Jamal is a principal in Florida, and I am a teacher in Indiana. And we may not agree on everything, but here's the shocker. Um, we love each other, and we uh, respect each other's opinions and insights. And that's kind of the whole point of the dialogue. Also, we're wanting to have some guests on here and there. As a matter of fact, if you have a different viewpoint from Jamal and I, so much the better. We think the diversity of thought is just as important as uh, Jamal and I's diversity of everything else. Um, so we we in, encourage uh, the feedback. The only thing is we want it to be civil and be nice. If you want to uh, be a guest and be combative, eh, no thank you. But if you want to have some healthy dialogue, then please, please let us know. You can always reach me, Don, at startedupinnovation.com or Jamal at startedupinnovation.com. This is episode two where Jamal and I just basically get into a little bit of the state of modern education. We talk a little bit about innovation, where some things go, and his insights on, ironically enough, some middle school innovation, which I thought was really insightful, and just uh, some of the things that we think need to change a little bit. Uh, once again, we are not the authority on education, so these opinions are just our own. They did not necessarily reflect Jamal or my school. Um, but we're two guys that are deeply passionate about education and policy and just want to have a conversation. All right, so I'm going to get right to it. Enjoy. The other thing we ask, though, is if you if this is bringing you value, uh, please share it with your friends or colleagues. And again, if you want to be a guest, let us know as well. So let's get to it. Jamal Crook, Don Wetrick, Crucial Conversations, Episode 2. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Crucial Conversations with on Started Up Podcast. I'm Don Wetrick. I'm Jamal Crook. Glad to join you again. Jamal, The one of the first things we talked about when we first started getting together was kind of the state of education. You've got a different perspective. You've had a different viewpoint. I've had a different perspective and viewpoint. Let's get into what we see on you know, uh, education and are we making it relevant? Are we preparing our kids for the future? Start us right. off, Jamal. So just just with some opening thoughts. With the state of education as it is, we are, we are as a society, advancing so much. And our educational system is way behind the curve when it comes to just some of the basic things like technology. Most schools don't use technology in all of their classes, right? That's just, that's just one thing. You can't work at Publix without knowing how to use a computer, let alone 
um, live in a world where schools are not preparing our students for a world that will actually exist in 20 years. I believe that schools are about 50 years outdated. I was watching a, a video on Facebook about Tesla tires, right? Apparently Tesla has one of the, the smoothest riding cars on the planet because they put like this foam on the inside of their tires, which uh, cuts down on vibration, right? And the guy was telling uh, the people that were watching the video that he took it to a tire shop because it had a hole in it. And the guy who was fixing the tire couldn't fix it because he didn't understand how to deal with the technology on a Tesla tire, right? Now, we, could, we would be upset if you took your car to a mechanic and the mechanic said, well, I can't work on it because I'm just not familiar with that technology. But you're like, well, you're a mechanic. And then we could blame it on the, school, the schooling of mechanics. There's really no difference as it pertains to our educational system in large. Um, we, we, I think that our education system is failing our students in actually preparing them for a world that will exist in the next 50 years, as opposed to teaching students what existed 50 years ago. You know what I'm gonna say? I'm gonna say something somewhat controversial, but I stand behind it. I agree with you. And I've seen, um, and, and there's a catch 22 here. Mm-hmm. I've seen schools that are, especially that have discipline problems, and, and these are normally high poverty areas. Let's not kid ourselves, right? They want to talk about, and I understand why, the compliance. Our school had 23% less expulsions. Our, you know, our graduation rate was, and I understand all that, and I respect it. But it's not necessarily like the thing that they're proud of. Like, and, 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 I, and ironically enough, I see the same thing with the college preparatory schools. They too are bragging about their graduation rate, their SAT scores, um, their tradition. We've always done it that way. Um, some schools are bragging about the sports, all of which things are nice, but aren't necessarily, like you said, future ready. Here's the funny part. I've seen more middle of the rung schools adapt faster because they don't necessarily have the socioeconomic difficulties that you've seen and they don't have the tradition and the my son is going to go to an Ivy League school so he needs to get a great SAT score at some of the preparatory schools. I have seen more innovation and more willingness to move forward from that middle. Typically, typically, um, I know in the state of Florida, middle schools are like your your more innovative um, schools because you know high schools have to focus on graduation, and elementary schools really have to focus on reading block, right? And then when you get to middle school, that's where they try to socialize the kids and get them, you know, ready for high school so they can go back. Middle school, middle schools are a lot more innovative because that's typically where there's not a lot of focus on test scores and there's a lot more freedom specifically in the state of Florida based on what I've seen middle schools function as you typically have your themed 
schools when it comes to middle school. There are some theme high schools, but it, it's it's because they were failing and they need to do something that they need to move students around, so they themed it, right? But typically, that's a result of, you know, elementary, we have to focus on reading block. In high school, we have to focus on SAT scores and graduation rates. But I think there's something that you cannot move away from. In every school, right, you have a, it's really for that community. When you're dealing with a community that is high poverty, there are characteristics that come along with that community. Um, if you don't create systems and policies that fit the strengths and the weaknesses of those communities, you're always going to have compliance issues. For example, um, if, if I went to, I, I worked at a school, um, in the state of Florida that, um, students literally had to walk seven miles because a bus wouldn't go pick them up, right? Because when you mapped it out, they were two miles straight line distance from the school. So the rule is uh, school uh, students who live two miles straight line distance from the school had to walk, which is reasonable. But the only problem is that straight line cut through railroad tracks, trees, forests. So these kids literally had to walk all the way around. So when it rained, there was literally 60% of the students in school. There were some days I would come to school and only have two students in my class. So you have to look at uh, the policies and procedures that are made for that community. And the crazy thing is schools actually get funding to some degree to solve some of those problems. But when you have people at the top making these decisions just based on just simple social things. You're always going to have compliance issues. Those kids couldn't uh, make it to school on time. So they were penalized when they were late. They had detention. So, you know, all that stuff goes up as opposed to working with those students. So you're always going to have your compliance and your graduation rates, all that stuff. If the, if the policies and procedures are not geared toward um, the strengths and weaknesses of those communities. Agreed. So like, what are some practical steps that you would suggest? And actually, you know, let, let, let me back up even further. I, 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 I'm not going to say you're the first, but you were, your insight of like middle schools were given the, the freedom to get a little outside the box. And I understood why, like, you know, elementary is hitting the basics. Got it. High school is looking for that test score. Got it. It's just the world we live in. Um, but it was refreshing to hear that that was what you've seen in Florida on on middle school trying some new things. I love that, by the way. Um, but let, let's just say, though, that like it would break my heart if I had a son or a daughter and in eighth grade, they're like they went to that middle school and they were allowed to work on these really cool projects and then in high school, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't have time for that. Um, how do you reach that principal or superintendent to say you need to, you need to allow some time for innovation, entrepreneurship, exploration, inquiry at your school, at the high school level? So I don't, I don't think it is outside of the heart of any person who becomes principal to not allow those things. 
here's the reality. There, you, you know those pictures that you see on you know social media, and they say you know what I think I look like, what I actually look like. So most of that stuff is is actually. I'm, I'm going to give a lot of people credit. That's in the hearts of all principles. But the political red tape that they have to go through to implement programs, you need people like you to run an innovations class. You can't just slap anybody in that room and say, you know, here are all these resources. Go for it. Because you, you effectively need some, you need the right people in the place. So that's one thing. And then you have um, the, 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 the mindset of the district and what the district wants. Money, money answers all things, which means it dictates all things. So if my funding, yeah, if my funding comes from, yeah. you know, compliant, I know, I know. Here, here's my point, though. Here, no, here'd be what I'd want to fire back, Jamal. Um, with, and I get that. The, oh, those are all realities we have to face. I get it. However, I think that sometimes you can, to change that culture around, you'd have to plant your flag in the ground and say, we're going to go a little bit against the grain and see if you can win the hearts and minds of the parents. We do it in sports all the time. Right. There you winners, go. winners, like I, in my state, we put up with Bobby Knight because he won. <laughs> right. Right. So we, if all of a sudden, and I would love for like, if you're a superintendent, here's now, mind you, this could be a recipe to get you fired. But mm-hmm. if, if, if I were a superintendent and all of a sudden my state scores start going down, I would come out and say, well, of course they did. Mm-hmm. Because we have been, we have seen the teaching to the test does nothing but glorify the test. We're mm-hmm. going to prepare our kids for the future. If, if we're not, if we're spending less time making sure they memorize how to take the test, of course it's going to go down. So I ask you parents, I ask you, people of the community, do you want great test takers so they can memorize this test and forget about it in two weeks? Or do you want future ready kids? Right. I think if you, if, if the superintendent, if she would say that, she'd throw down that gauntlet, I'm hoping that the community would say, oh, okay. No, but, but I think sometimes, but that's the hard part. Like, cause I've talked to superintendents. So like, Don, you live in la la land. Cause when our scores go down, there's blood in the streets and then I might be fired. And I understand right. that too, but I think that you could win. I, my, again, this is me. This is why we're having crucial conversations. You can tell me that I'm stupid and crazy, but I, yeah. I think that that renegade rogue, let's stick it to you. Superintendent would, that would be the first battle that I think that he or she could win. And I think that it would send a ripple effect. So, so here, here's what I've learned in my short time being a principal. It's not what, it's how, right? So, so you, you do bring up valid points. But I think everyone says, oh, man, we would love to, you know, have our kids do something that's going to prepare them for life, right? Um, but every school has electives. Every, there's a way to do it. But I think I think part of the 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 battle is realizing that that you have to start small because you got to think in the state of Indiana how many people have your class how many schools have your class in uh, five. <laughs> five five schools yeah. yeah right in the entire okay. state yeah I know in the entire state right so 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 now you, you look at that so right now there there are five 
right? But that's that's small change. If we can get five every five years and 50 years, we'll be right where we need to be. It'll be in, ingrained in everything. A lot of times what happens is there's so much change in leadership. Like you, like as a teacher, you've probably had at least five or six different principles, if not more, during your time in teaching, right? So once that principle leaves and a new principle comes in, they're trying to implement change in policy and procedure. Like it's very rare that you see a principal stay at a school for 15 years anymore, 10 years anymore. You just you just don't see it. So when we try to implement that change, I don't if I'm a principal and I don't believe in that, or if I'm a superintendent and I don't believe in that and I and I believe in test scores, all the work that we've done has been rescinded. So, so you, you deal with so much um, from a, from a leadership standpoint, and and I think I think what we have to do is something that you touched on that's key. The parents have to take control because if the parents, which is effectively the customer of the school district, because if kids don't go to school in the public school, and and listen, if you're a parent and you're listening to this, you have a choice. If you don't think you can afford private school, there's state funding for private schools, specifically in the state of Florida and, and I'm sure everywhere else. Um, all you have to do is apply. Um, you can get discounted rates, but as a parent, you have to take the responsibility of education and you have to say, here's what I want my child to learn. And if enough parents bow up and say, here is what my child will learn, I want my child to know how to make money. I want my child to know, to be financially literate. I want my child to understand how things work. I want them to be able to work with their hands, bring back some of these programs that we've lost that actually gave my child a trade when they left school or some skill set other than just being able to read and write. Because effectively, that's what school has become. And once the customer starts to say, hey, this is what I want, then schools will say, okay, this is what we have to provide in addition to everything else. This is why we have football, because parents want sports. Yeah. They find the funding to provide it because at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, that's what they value. It's not it's what they value. It's, school is a business. Yeah. From, from, from free and reduced lunch all the way down to... to you know, transportation, the school district gets paid to feed her child. They get reimbursed for all those. Things. So every, everything is about money. I feed your child because it makes us money. I, we, I mean, the school systems provide a quality service. Right. Yeah. Because it's, 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 it's about money. Well, and, and uh, you know, it, changing that paradigm shift then of like, look, I, I think colleges are feeling the heat now. Because of people, and I'm not going to lay it just at the at the altar of like a Mike Rowe, but Mike Rowe, Seth Godin, Gary Vaynerchuk, these, there's been some people that have been really outspoken about college and how much it's worth and then how much it actually brings value to it. And so I think there's a lot of colleges that are like, wait a second, we need to listen to our customer. I'm hoping that's going to filter down through the high schools, right? Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that, you know, because I, one of my biggest pet peeves is um, when 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 people start saying, you know, like, all right, like it, I, I'm getting myself in trouble. But, you know, the the over preparing for the SAT and making sure your your kids are college ready. 
well, maybe they don't want to go. Maybe uh, your trade school is better. Maybe, you know, different alternatives. So I, I think maybe if we also had this um, talk about, okay, what does it mean to be successful? And because like normally the benchmark of success is and how we get our money is, did we, did we pass enough kids on the state standardized test and how many want to, how many cross the stage and how many went to college? And, and this is my fundamental question. A lot of times, you know, if, if them crossing the stage is your main point, I'd, I'd ask that you take a look again. Like saying, okay, you're out of the building. We're done with you now. Did you set them up? Did you set them up to get them off the stage and say you can, your tassel goes from the left to the right and you can throw your hat, you know, hats up in the air? Or did we feel confident that just because you left here, did you leave with confidence? Did you leave with a skill set? And, they, and that they're not the university's problem anymore. Um, that's something I'm hoping that we'll start taking a second look at instead of like, oh, your SAT is good enough to get you into this community college. Whew, we're good. Our numbers look great. We can now get our funding. And, and again, I understand that. I do. But I would like, like you said, maybe a little bit of that, uh, the customer would like some time to, you know, I, how, how many parents would really love it if their son or daughter would take a semester course on investing mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or how, how, to, how to understand the tax laws, uh, things of that nature. I, I think that if we started looking at that um, and start building around what our customers would want, I think it'd look different. But here's the fundamental problem, Jamal. You started off by saying if our parents were active and said this, Parents being active is 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 difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because like I said, I mean, you think about the service that each school system provides. As a parent, you wake up in the morning, as long as you have some toaster strudels in in, in the house and your child is about 13, they pop a toaster strudel in. And if you go to work at nine, your child has had had the toaster strudel the dishes in the sink and they're in school in the seat and you didn't have to take them. Um, they, they pick your child up, they keep them for an extended time. And you know, it, there's, there's a quality service that's provided. Now in, in most situations, some parents are like, you know, I don't really want to mess that up. I want my child to be able to get, get this free education the way that they are getting it. Um, and and it 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 kind of puts people at ease sometimes, but when you really look at what you get, the scope and sequence of K twelve nationwide is this. Don, hear me out. Um, as long as an individual can read, write a five paragraph essay, and do math up to orders of orders of operation algebra one multiply, add, subtract, and divide in a logical sense, right? They can get a GED or a high school diploma. That's all an individual has to know. A 12-year-old can graduate from high school with k 12 system and start college and be successful in college if they are motivated enough to um, be, accelerate and go through that process. What does this tell us? Our K-12 system isn't built for what we're talking about, the investing, all those other things. So as, 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 as a parent, right, and I'm, I'm getting this great service on the surface, 
it puts a lot of us in a place to where we're saying, well, if, if my child gets a high school diploma, because, you know, maybe 30 years ago, getting a high school diploma, you can go get a job at the factory, 401k, buy a home, pay off your mortgage in 30 years and leave your house to your kids. That's not the case anymore. I remember graduating, Don, uh, walking across the stage and saying, this, was, this is a joke. I, I didn't know anything. I had no skill sets other than being able to read, write, and talk and have discussions. Yeah, well, and I think that you, like a lot of other people, I won't say back then, it's still kind of true in some cases today, is that, well, you'll get your skill set when you go to college. Right. Like, you know, oh, we got you through here. Uh, good luck. And, and, and again, this is just, and by the way, I know we're, <laughs> I know we're going to take some, like, first of all, we're not the authority in every place. So if you're thinking about writing in saying not in my school, of course, there's absolutely great exceptions. And I'm happy there's exceptions. But by and large, I've seen um, across the board, this uh, huge, um, we're going to get you into college and that's going to be your focus and not necessarily taking a look at what we're teaching and why we're teaching it. You know, why is it that we're requiring some kids to double down on some things that they're clearly never going to get into? Like, I remember I was listening to somebody, it's something like Freakonomics, and they were saying, like, if LeBron James, if, if we could do this as a sports metaphor, LeBron James would still be in remedial golf. He wouldn't be allowed to practice more basketball because he's already shown proficiency in basketball. So let's make sure he doubles down and we're going to punish him. No, we're not going to punish him. We're going to remediate him in a lot of golf because he, you know, we're, and I think that's the funny, well, the interesting part is that, you know, when, when, when you can check off those, all kids really have to do is X. Well then maybe we should have minimum standards. And if, and if they've hit those minimum standards, Maybe they have a, a little bit of time. Maybe they opens up another avenue of an elective. We can get a lot more creative with our electives instead of saying, well, even though you're never, never going to go into anything in the math field, we're going to put you in another remediation math class because you're not good at it. It's just, they're not going to go into it. And that's not to say that I'm not going to want kids to go into STEM. I, I like it is if that's what their calling is. But by your by your sophomore year, you're kind of dialed in. Uh, you know, I, it is the only place where you you double down on what you're never going to do and what you're not good at, and the things that you are good at. Well, you can't have time to do that anymore because you're already good at it. That's crazy, right? But but that is the way of. That's how schools get their grade, effectively. Benchmarks, um, state state examinations. Uh, the greatest thing about it is, if effectively, if you have a four <laughs> you, you can you you're gonna go to the college. Um, taking regular classes, and you know your Yales and your Harvards, it, they have their own thing. But effectively, you go to college, and if you're a kid out there listening to this, I mean. College is great. Don't kill yourself trying to impress the colleges. Get to college, get your degree if that's something that you need. If you don't need it, then then find a better way. But I, but I want to say this: what you're talking about is going to take a parent. Like so, for example, my daughter can read. Right, she's three years old. Um, she she can effectively read. She identifies words and pictures. She is uh, effectively at a kindergarten level based on what the state standards say. I know the stuff because I, I do, I look at the standards just about every day, right? But 
my daughter will be in a place to when she's showing proficiency in some of these things as a parent, not as the principal of the school, as a parent, I'm going to say, hey, I want my daughter to be more in this than she is in this. Because truly and effectively, as a parent, if I, if I see my child be proficient in something, then I'm allowed to say, I want my child to be in a more rigorous course, right? Typically, schools say, well, you know, that is um, your uh, AP classes and different things like that. Well, if you have a child who's crushing it, you can blend learning. There, there's a lot that a parent can do from their situation. They can, you know, be the, the outlier within the system. As far as the system is concerned, it's going to take a group of parents who want the same thing for their kids to say, no, I want my child to learn these things. That, that's how electives come about. That's effectively, um, from what I understand, how your elective came about. You had an idea as a teacher, as a parent, hey, here's what, here's what I would like to do. You had a supporting principal and you have an elective. Well, we can do anything that we want with electives. We can add any program that we want as principals. The thing is finding people who are competent and have the skill sets to effectively teach kids. How many accountants want to come to school and teach? Yeah. Well, I, I think that's one of the reasons why I started to do some of the professional development thing because I, I, I felt blessed in the sense that I, I walked into a perfect storm. I walked into a situation where the principal agreed to this class, a superintendent agreed to this class. The students took some risks. It wasn't pretty at first, but they're like, hey, let's just, let's, let's have some fun. And I think, you know, going out and showcasing and showing other great teachers like yourself of like, hey, have you ever considered a class like this? And when we first met, you're like, no, but I like it now. Uh, I think that that's, that's one of the, has been one of the joys of, of my career is meeting people like you and then, and then working with people um, and, and then them doing this. But like you said, though, it's kind of a magic potion thing. You, you have to have all those, you know, cause I hear from this all the time. That's nice for you, Don, but my superintendent won't let me, or my principal won't let me. And if you don't have that ahead of time, it's, it's impossible. And, and that's one of the sort of things, like I heard some people complain, like, oh, we keep getting all these leadership things, leadership things. Hey, man, you got to. And, and my heart goes out to the great teacher that has crappy leadership. That's like, I talk about banging your head against the wall. And, and, I've, and I've been blessed. And it's funny because you said this, like, you've probably gone through a lot of different principles. Nope. I, 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 <laughs> luck, fate, I don't know. My first job as a teacher, I was there 10 years, same principle. My second job, I was there for five years, pretty much the same principle. My third job teaching, last five years, same principle. So uh, that's rare, I know. But uh, I, I, again, I, I think that that's, that's been um, one of the reasons why if we can get through this, then I kind of wanted to show best practice and, and, and all that good stuff. But at the same time, this is also why we have these conversations out loud. And for that matter, if you're listening to this and you're hopefully not screaming at the radio going, no, Don, or no, Jamal, Please let us know. Uh, we're we're giving our opinions on the things that we see. Um, we're not omniscient, and we if you have an opinion or if you have an insight, please let us know. Um, matter of fact, <clears throat> Jamal, I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll have it. Maybe we'll we'll read a couple of comments on there um, if people want to share it with us in a nice way. Um, and for that matter, we're always looking for guests. Yeah, Jamal. Absolutely, we're definitely looking for people too. 
come on here and add value to the conversation that we're having to help people. We just kind of got one rule though, and Jamal and I talked about this. Um, how do I say this nicely? Um, be nice. Uh, again, like when, when, like one of the, one of the things that Jamal and I struggled with when we started having these, when we had private conversations, there you can have private conversations and be comfortable. Quite frankly, I haven't censored myself tonight at all, nor have you. And uh, if you if you do have a strong opinion, uh, the only thing I ask is that you know we're just, you know let, let's be civil, let's be nice, uh, because uh, I think having these great dialogues and these great conversations and admitting. We don't know everything, but these are our experiences uh, that if, if, if you should want to, um, you can always email me, uh, Don, at startedupinnovation.com. And your email, Jamal? Jamal at startedupinnovation.com. That's startedup, startedupinnovation.com. All right. That was a whirlwind. Next Friday, we're going to be talking about the teacher shortage and how to also possibly get teachers into the profession and also get teachers like you, Jamal, into the profession. So, what's that? I'm not a teacher anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, thank God you're a principal and, uh, and, and a great one of that. So, yes, that will be next Friday. If this podcast has given you any value whatsoever, please share it. This is the reason why we grow the Started Up podcast. <clears throat> Again, we have a Monday, Wednesday, Friday lineup. And uh, we do this every Friday with Jamal. If you have a suggestion on a guest, please let us know. Email us. And if you have a, uh, a comment, you like, again, you can email us. Or we also have a uh, Facebook page that is facebook.com slash start ed up. All right. That's a wrap for episode two of Crucial Conversations. This is Don Wetrick for Jamal Crook reminding you opportunities are everywhere. We'll see you.